Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week, and I trust that you have been blessed by what we've been sharing from the book of Matthew. I, it's amazing to me when you start digging around in the Word, it's just everything connects to something else, and it's just like uh, unraveling, uh, you know, just a line of truth that goes everywhere. And it just gets exciting to me. But thanks for tuning in every week because we truly are building some things, and most of the stuff that we're teaching uh, can stand alone, but you're better off if you get the context of it. Uh, so if you missed any of the programs uh, before this, you can go back to uh, my website at lenhouse.com and there is a link from my website directly to our YouTube channel. And you can go back there and watch anything that we have aired to date are archived there so you can watch them on demand from your smartphone or your smart TV, your iPad, your Roku, uh, many of those devices. You can just watch it straight from there. You can subscribe to our YouTube page, and every time we upload a new video, you will be notified. Uh, also, there is a, uh, uh, a link from my website to our iTunes podcast where you can get the audio portions of it streamed to your phone. You can listen to it, redeem the time while you're in your car headed to work. Or if you have an Android device, there's an RSS feed there. So there's so many ways you can get the gospel that, uh, uh, you know, uh, avail yourself of it. We are putting it out there uh, so that you can have access to it for free. And I believe you'll be blessed by uh, doing that. Uh, let me just take a moment also to, because I get finished and to get to the end of it, we don't really take the time to do this. But let me just encourage you also uh, to take a moment to write to us and let us know if you're watching the program. Uh, let us know uh, which network you watch us on. We're on several networks. And so that we can be good stewards of what the Lord has put within our hands. Uh, you can do that by calling us. You can go to our uh, website and just send an email via uh, lenhouse.com. Uh, it's info at lenhouse.com, and we, we'll get your emails and read them. Uh, so uh, let us know that you're watching. Also, consider becoming a partner with this ministry. We need your partnership. Uh, we need folks to stand with us and to help us to take the gospel around the world. As you, those of you who watch us know that we spend very little time trying to raise money. We don't have any kind of uh, uh, things to try to manipulate you. We believe God is able to lay on your heart. But uh, one of the things that you can do is go to my website again and sign up for our Message of the Month Club. And it is a message that we send out every month from somewhere we've been in the world where we're preaching uh, some of the things you're hearing us preach on television. And that message of the month club will come to you just like a subscription once a month. Uh, and we promise we won't barrage you with a bunch of mail or emails trying to just barrage you with a bunch of stuff. But uh, you will get on that CD my itinerary, which tells you where I'm at. Uh, and you can come see us in one of our meetings. We travel extensively around the world. That's also on my website under the itinerary part there to tell you where we are at. And we'd love to meet you, and we'd love to just uh, see you in one of our meetings. But the message of the Month Club is part of our partner base. It helps us touch millions of people through the power of these cameras and television. It's $7 a month or $70 a year, and you will be greatly blessed by the Word for that, and you will also become part of something big that's touching other folks. I want to get in the Word now. With that being said, I want us to go back to Matthew 5, 
and see if I can kind of uh, conclude some remarks I want to make here. But Jesus is teaching in Matthew 5 what is commonly known as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are attitudes that you need to be in. And he comes down through those, and we've, we've shared with you how uh, that he, he begins to just every one of these attitudes, you're blessed when you're poor in spirit, is an attitude uh, that helps you to receive the kingdom. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about under the old covenant, there was a spiritual deficit. And Jesus is teaching Matthew 5 to an old covenant audience. He's introducing the kingdom, another form of government. And he's saying to them, under the old covenant, you're poor in spirit. In other words, if you don't recognize the deficit and the bankruptness of this system of spirit under the law, you're not going to receive the kingdom. But when you realize that in the new covenant, one of the things that God gives us in the new covenant is he gives us the spirit. Uh, if you remember when John the Baptist, we, this, we've been teaching this for weeks now, but John the Baptist says, there's one coming after me who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to the new covenant what the law was to the old covenant. So what he's saying is under the old covenant, it was bankrupt of an indwelling internal Holy Spirit. Because in the new covenant, the kingdom of God is within you. It's not an external thing, but it's an internal governor called the Holy Spirit. You're blessed if you mourn because under the old covenant, he came to comfort all those who mourn in Zion. Uh, when he takes uh, up the first message that he preaches publicly, he says to them, uh, go get me the book of Isaiah. And he begins to declare and preach to them uh, that he sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's the poor in spirit as well as the physically poor. He sent me to uh, declare the acceptable year of the Lord, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty than the bruised, to comfort all who mourn in Zion. So you're blessed. Uh, what he's saying is, if you have been mourning, now you're blessed because the king has come on the scene to relieve you of mourning and to comfort you because the comforter that comes is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So everything about this whole Beatitudes, and I really want to kind of not only uh, hit that a little bit, but tell you that he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Under an old covenant, you know, even the early days for me, I preached, I preached the gospel of the kingdom since I was 16 years old. And one of the things that I noticed early on, even, well, not early on, but in recent years, is that all of us that preached the gospel of the kingdom in the earlier days, we preached the gospel of the kingdom, but we preached that you access it through an old covenant righteousness. The problem is nobody ever makes it based on the law because Romans 3 said there's none righteous, not even one. So nobody made it in to the kingdom based on an old covenant righteousness. So he's saying to them, listen, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're about to be filled. Now righteousness does not mean you glow in the dark. It means you're in right standing with God. But what Jesus is about to introduce, as well as everything about the new covenant, is that in the new covenant, your righteousness is not based on your performance. It's based on a gift. I want to say to people, what part of gift don't you understand? You did not earn it. It was given to you as a free gift. Because of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, watch this because this is a kingdom word, 
We reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So in the new covenant, our righteousness is not based on our performance. It is based on His gift. And so we are not thirsty any longer for righteousness. We have been filled. We have received a new covenant righteousness that is not volatile. It is that which is secure, that which is declared. He has declared us like he did Abraham, righteous by faith. Abraham believed God and God accounted it to him for righteousness. Paul writes several things in the book of Galatians concerning that. And he said that, that Abraham was justified and declared to be righteous before he was circumcised because he simply believed God and God accounted it to him for righteousness. That's the requirement is to believe for everyone who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart, believes in the righteousness, Romans 10 says, uh, will be saved. That faith that inaugurates and receives this right standing with God, I think it's incredible. I think it's incredible. When I discovered my righteousness was not based on my performance, man, it sure changed my life. And then he goes on to talk about, listen, what's going to happen? You're going to be blessed then if you're persecuted. Because once you start preaching righteousness, once you start preaching that you have been filled, once you preach, we don't have to mourn any longer. Once you preach we, that you're not poor in spirit, once you preach that what Jesus was preaching was coming has now arrived, then you're going to receive some persecution. Now, he's really dealing with, again, this first century group were really persecuted. I mean, they were sawn asunder, killed, beat up, chased from city to city. He said, though, for them to rejoice and be exceeding glad because great was their reward in heaven because they did that to the prophets. And then he comes on and down through here and he says, verse 13, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. You're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So he's saying to them, listen, when you move into this, you become the light of the world. You become a city set on a hill. We must become the salt and the, this, this new covenant people of God must become the salt and light in the world. If there's ever been a need for us to take the bushel off and shine the light of the glorious gospel, it's right now. And then he goes on to say, and these are powerful words here. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass one away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Wherefore, the, therefore, uh, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men, so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now let me just start by dealing with this again. Jesus comes down and says, listen, don't think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. Here's where a big argument comes from a lot of people that don't see New Covenant. Now, everything I have taught you over the last several weeks is showing you how the Beatitudes are teaching you how to have an attitude to receive the kingdom, the new form of government, and to walk away from the old form of government called the law. 
But he comes down and says, now don't think though that I've come to destroy the law and the prophets. I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. The best way I know how to explain this is if I enter into a covenant with my bank and I say to my bank, I am going to borrow, let's say, $100,000 and I'm going to enter into a covenant with you to pay you monthly installments of, uh, let, let's say, uh, just for sake of uh, art, I mean, just so it's easy to understand. If I borrow $10,000 or if I borrow $100,000 and I make a covenant with my bank, I said, I'm going to pay you $10,000 a month for the next 10 months. And that's going to be our covenant. And we agree to that covenant. And we enter into that covenant together. If I, I make my first payment, my second payment, then I make my final payment the 10th month of this covenant. And I make the final payment on that covenant. I did not do away with it. I fulfilled it. What we don't realize is that Jesus in his perfect earth walk, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, fulfilled every jot or tittle of the law, and then became the ultimate sacrifice for sin so that he paid the debt that you could not pay. In other words, Jesus paid the final payment that's required by the law. Now, I think if, if you don't, listen, he, that's not doing away with the covenant. That's him fulfilling it. Jesus fulfilled and kept the law and then paid every penalty and every requirement that it had so that you are not um, under that covenant. See, if 2016 years from now, I'm still making a house payment on a covenant that's been paid, somebody needs to wake me up. And I'm telling you, that's what we need to show the American church. Well, not just the American, the church everywhere. Jesus completely fulfilled the law. And so he says to them, you've got to understand, again, he's teaching in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is in the New Testament, or it's in the New, um, I'm sorry, Matthew, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are in the New Testament. They are not yet in the New Covenant. The new covenant is not inaugurated until Jesus sheds his blood and the final sacrifice and the ultimate sin offering and the ultimate of every offering. Jesus was the fulfillment of all that God spoke through the law and the prophets were fulfilled in Christ. And so uh, he's telling them here now in this transition, if you teach men, to break these commandments, you're going to be least in the kingdom. Now, I'm not suggesting, again, that we teach people anything to break uh, commandments. I'm just teaching you that in the new covenant, love begins to be the governor of our hearts. And we don't kill, not because there's a rule against it. We don't kill because we love. And love becomes the motivator of the new covenant. But what I want you to see is that he, he goes on to say to them, until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot, or one tittle of the law will pass to all is fulfilled. Now, when he begins to speak, let me, let me just grab a, a couple of verses of Scripture that I have in my notes. Isaiah 65, he said, I'm sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. I have spread out my hands all day unto a rebellious people which walks in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. A people that provoked me to anger continued to my face that sacrificed in the gardens and burned incense upon the altars. That's Isaiah 65. Now a few verses below that. Now before I get to those verses below it, he says to them, listen, I've held out my hands all day long 
to this wicked people. In other words, he's talking to the nation of Israel. And he's saying to them, I have given you every opportunity to come into the kingdom and to come into this new covenant. I've had out my hands all day long, but I'm about to be found of a nation that was not called by my man. I'm about to be found of a people who were not looking for me. That's the Gentiles. He was about to offer this covenant to the Gentiles. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 10, verse number 20, and he, he quotes this. He said, but Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I've stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Now let me show you that in that same context, in Isaiah 65, verse 17 through 19, in the context of him rejecting Israel, holding out his hands to the Gentiles, he said, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former shall not be remembered nor come into mind, but be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy, and I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall no more be heard, nor the voice of crying. Which again confirms you're blessed when you mourn because you're about to be comforted. But here's the context. He said, I held out my hands all day long to this people, and yet they rejected him. He said, I'm about to be found of them that look not for me. Paul quotes this and sets it right in the time slot of when he's writing to the Romans, and he said, Isaiah said this, that, that he said, I'm going to be found of them that sought not, me, sought not for me. I was made manifest that that's not for, for me. But to Israel, he said, all day long I've stretched out my hands. It's during that period of time and in that context that he says, I behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth. And because we think in global terms instead of covenantal terms, we think when he's talking about heaven and earth, he's talking about the physical heavens and the earth. Yet in the mind of the Jewish believer in the first century who would have been that audience, they believed that their temple was the gate of heaven. Bethel was the gate of heaven and their land and their covenant and everything that had to do that old Jerusalem had to do with that old heaven and old earth. As a matter of fact, if you read it in the writer uh, Josephus, who was a great historian, he tells them that the temple, uh, uh, the most holy place, was considered to be the gate of heaven, and that the court that was without was considered to be the earth and the land, and the land that was about that was considered to be the land. So in A.D. 70, with the destruction of the temple and the destruction of natural Jerusalem, I submit to you that that was the change of covenant and that the old heaven and the old earth have passed away and a new heaven and a new earth came on the scene. Now, I'm going to say this strongly to those of you who fully embrace grace. If we are not living in a new heaven and a new earth, then we are still under the old covenant. Because Matthew 5 says, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle of the law will pass till all be fulfilled. I submit to you, we are living in a new heaven and a new earth. And then the, the, the writer of the book of Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, said, For looking for and hastening under the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with the fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, notice the personal pronoun, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. So Peter is saying here in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, that uh, they were looking for and hastening to the coming of the day of God. The day of God is 
is not out in our future. Go back and listen to some of my eschatology stuff. The day of the Lord was the day when God began to rain down fire and brimstone upon natural Jerusalem and the elements physically literally melted with a fervent heat. And what happened was when the fervent heat came, it was literally Jerusalem being burnt to the ground. And the word elements here is the Greek word stoikion, and it's used to describe the law of Moses in Galatians chapter 4. And in Colossians chapter 2, when he calls it the weak and beggarly elements, where he calls it we, we, where until we desire to be a bondage again, that's what melted. That's the heavens that passed away. Second Peter, when he talks about the judgment beginning at the house of God, is not talking about some future catastrophe. He was writing to an audience that would be relevant too. And he's saying to them, listen, man, this stuff is about to be dissolved. And since it's about to be dissolved, it's about to melt with the fervent heat. What manner of persons ought ye to be looking for and hastening to the coming of the day of God? In other words, Peter said, since the law is not going to be in focus any longer, then what, uh, what, what, you know, since this, seeing these things are going to be dissolved and we're not up under the law any longer, what manner of persons ought you to be? And his response is, in all holy conversation or lifestyle, looking for and hasting to the coming of the day of God. In other words, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, God moved out of a physical temple and into a spiritual house. God moved out of an old Jerusalem into a new Jerusalem. And Galatians 4, the end of it tells you that the new covenant people of God is the new covenant, is the, is, is the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem. He said the Jerusalem, which now is, is Hagar in Mount Sinai, and she genders to bondage, and she is in bondage with her children to this day. But you are from above. In other words, those that come by supernatural birth, he tells them, is the Jerusalem which is above. The Jerusalem that he's talking about is not a city across the ocean. It's the community of faith. It is what Hebrews 12 says. He says in Hebrews 12, he didn't say you're coming to. He talked about the transfer from Sinai, which is the old covenant in Hebrews 12. But he says you've not come to Mount Sinai. You've not come to blackness and darkness. You've not come to fear and trembling. But you are come to Mount Zion. You've come. Listen, he didn't say you're coming to. He didn't say you're marching to. You are come to Mount Zion, and you've come to the city of the living God. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. And you have come to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. I'm submitting to you on this program that the new heaven and the new earth is not some thousands of years in our future. It was the new covenant that came on the scene when the old covenant passed off the scene, the covenant with death passed. Every jot, every tittle of the law was completely fulfilled so that we stand in a day when we're not living in an old covenant, we're living in the kingdom of God. And we are living literally as the community of faith. We are built upon the foundation, the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being chief cornerstone. We have become this new city set on a hill that cannot be hid. We have become the light of the world. We have become the salt of the earth. I'm talking about the heavenly Jerusalem, the people of God. I'm talking about that Revelation 1 calls, or 21 calls her the bride, the lamb's wife. We're the bride, the lamb's wife right now. We're already married to him. If we're not already married to him, it's illegal to be intimate with him, and it's illegal to use his name. But I submit to you that what he's teaching here in Matthew 5 is the transition from an old covenant to 
a new covenant and he's saying to them, listen, not one jot or one tittle of the law will pass till everything has been fulfilled. And I believe that that's not something out in our future. It's something that has already been fulfilled. And if it has not, Matthew 5, then we are still, ladies and gentlemen, under the law. I'm telling you, every grace preacher ought to grab a hold of this because that's the argument that people are going to come back with is, well, we, we you know, until... Uh, uh, heaven and earth pass. Not one jot or one tittle of the law will pass to all fulfilled. I submit to you that in the new covenant, we have a new covenant. We have new tongues. His mercy is new every morning. We have a new temple. We have a new Jerusalem. We have a new nature. We have a new covenant. Everything about this is screaming. The old covenant has passed away. Every jot, every tittle of the law has been fulfilled, and there is a righteousness now that is on the scene that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. I may have to do one more program on this just to, to cover the righteousness that exceeds. And so I'm not going to try to jam it in on this one. But I am submitting to you in this program that what he's talking about here, let me just read this to you from Galatians 4. He says, tell me you that are bent on being under the law, will you listen to what the law really says? This is, he, this is Galatians 4.21. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondmaid and one by the free woman. But whereas the child of the slave woman was born according to the flesh, had an ordinary birth, the son of the free woman was born in fulfillment of the promise. Now all this is an allegory. These two women represent two covenants. These two, these two women represent two covenants. One covenant originated from Mount Sinai where the law was given and bears children destined for slavery. This is Hagar. Now Hagar is and stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and she corresponds to and belongs in the same category with the present Jerusalem for she is in bondage together with her children. But Jerusalem above, the messianic kingdom of Christ is free and she is our mother. For it is written in the scripture, Rejoice, O barren, and he who has not given birth to children, break forth into a joyful shout, you who are not feeling birth pains. For the desolate woman has many more children than she who has a husband. But we, brethren, are children, not by physical descent, as was Ishmael, but like Isaac, we were born in virtue of the promise. Yet just as at that time the child of ordinary birth, born according to the flesh, despised and persecuted him who was born remarkably, according to the promise and the working of the Holy Spirit, so it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out and send away the slave woman and her son. For never shall the son of the slave woman be heir and share the inheritance with the son of the free woman. So brethren, we who are born again are not children of the slave woman, the natural, but are the, of the free, the supernatural. And that's from the amplified version of the Bible. I'm telling you that Jerusalem that now is, that he talked about there, that present Jerusalem in Galatians was Mount Sinai. It was the old covenant people of God. But those who are born again, born remarkably, they're from above. And, 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 the, and, and this, this new covenant is Sarah. It's not Hagar. It is Sarah. It is the new covenant people of God. So you see an old heaven and an old earth has passed away. And now there is a new covenant that's come on the scene. We're about to run out of time. Take a moment to write that number on the screen or call the number. So seed into the ministry. You can go to our website, give via credit card. Uh, you can also uh, send a letter to the address on the screen. And uh, we will appreciate your gift and your giving because it is what enables us 
to take the gospel of the kingdom around the world. Without your help, it's impossible. If you believe in what we're saying, please get behind it. And uh, I believe the Lord will bless you for it. And thank you for considering becoming a partner with us at our ministry. God bless you. Uh, tune in again next week. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.